Welcome to the preaching of the word and we are continuing in our looking at knowing our enemy. You say you've been preaching in that for a while. Well, there's a lot of material in the word of God about our enemy. And God wants us to know who he is, where he's come from, what he's up to, where he's going. Huh, praise God, we know where he's going. He's going to hell and he doesn't deserve anything better. He deserves the worst of hell in the lake of fire. I'm sure the Lord will give it to him. We've seen his past violations for two weeks. We've seen his present vocation <clears throat> as seen in his names, as seen in his nature and personality, as seen in his preoccupations and practices. And that's where we're at today. Again, looking at his present vocation, his preoccupations and practices. We've seen he imitates the Lord. He inserts tears in the wheat field. He instigates false doctrine. He impairs the word of God, making it to be a less and non-effective. He twists, he tweaks, he changes. You know, not one nor jot nor tittle shall pass from God's word till it's all fulfilled. But Satan is out to change it. He's out to have preachers change it. He's out to have them twisted, to rest it to their own destruction, mind you. As the word says. So he impairs the word of God. He impedes the servant's work. The servant of God's work. He interferes in the prayers of God's servants. We've looked at these things. And now we come today <coughs> to see and look at. He interferes in a soul's salvation. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. Some of these verses we've gone to before, but we're looking at a different point. We're looking at it from a different angle. <clears throat> in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan wants nobody to go to heaven he wants to keep them as his children he wants them every soul that's walking in darkness is under the condemnation of god to go to hell he has no mercy no pity <clears throat> he's evil to the the core of his being and he wants all people to be damned and so he interferes in a soul's salvation he steals the word of god from human hearts we have the parable in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. <coughs> this is he that hath received the word by the wayside. Remember the different places that the seed of the sower fell on? On the pathway where it was trodden down. And the evil birds came. The wicked one came and snatched it away immediately. It fell on stony ground. It fell among the thorns. And some of it fell on the good ground. The four different types of ground. And Satan is busy making the word of God of non-effect. Or taking it away completely like the wicked birds. That take away the seed. Have you ever been... <coughs> 
past a paddock where the farmer was sowing the seed and you see all these cockatoos or galahs just digging it all up and you feel, oh, poor farmer. Praise the Lord, there's so many seeds I can't find them all. But that's just like the devil. Poor people. Before they understand it, before they give it a thought, before they give it a second thought, Satan wants to distract them, take the word of God away and not let them be saved. He is not pleased if one soul is saved. He wants them to be his and he's forever in hell with him. Terrible bent this evil one has. He interferes in a soul's salvation. Next he infiltrates the church. <clears throat> and we've seen and read this verse before but on a different light. In his Second Corinthians 11 verse 15 where we read, Therefore it is no great thing of his ministers if his ministers also be transformed as a ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works and so he infiltrates the church it's a bit like the tares and the wheat isn't it he, he sows tares that's more talking about the people among the wheat but this is talking about the church he infiltrates the church and it doesn't take much for a wise, godly, Bible-based Christian to realise that guy behind the pulpit is not a Christian. You just hear what he speaks. Hear how he uses the Word of God, if he uses the Word of God at all. I was preaching at the <clears throat> an old people's home, have been for 35 years. <clears throat> and one man, he's a Dutchman, uh, ex-Dutchman living in Australia he's older he come up to me after and he said he said you're the only one of all the preachers that come here that preach God's word I said well what are the others what do the others say they well, well they tell us stories about their life they tell us stories about what's happening in the world today but they don't bring the word of God to us oh <clears throat> that's a sad thing that's an indictment on the preachers of today they are not opening the word of God to the people. <coughs> so Satan has in, is infiltrating the church. You know, it's a bit like the, the, the cold wars between the West and communism and, the, and, the, and capitalism and, and the countries that they represent. The, the communists come in and try to infiltrate. We hear that today about China and Australia and America interfering in the elections interfering in in our uh, secrets interfering in our military trying to infiltrate and get the information the downloads on what we're doing and there to be ahead of the game on us by knowing what we're up to just as we're preaching about knowing our enemy so that we know what he's up to but he's infiltrating the church and putting his people and as I've said before, he goes for the top. He goes for the colleges. He goes for the training institutions. He goes for those places where young men have committed themselves to minister for the Lord. And if he can corrupt it there, these people are going out and corrupting the churches. And it's sad to hear, even today, of big Bible, ex-Bible believing colleges, universities, 
in America, basically, that have been infiltrated by those that are the devil's workers and they're pretending to be God's workers. They're destroying the institutions. They're destroying these colleges. That's why the importance of a local church. <laughs> it's a lot harder to infiltrate those that are in the know on the ground in the places where it's happening. So <clears throat> he infiltrates. He interferes in the soul salvation. He infiltrates the church. And he, thirdly today, insinuates or accuses believer, a believer's motives. Look at the book of Job. <clears throat> the book of Job, chapter 1 and chapter 2. I know, yes, we've looked at it, but we're looking at it at a different angle. <clears throat> He's accusing or insinu insinuating that Job was only serving God for what he could get out of it. And here we have in Job chapter 1, verse 7, this written. <clears throat> Well, verse 6, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to represent themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, <coughs> Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one who feareth God and escheweth evil. Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? See, he's judging Job's motives. He's only doing it to get something out of you, God. Hast thou not made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side and has blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land <clears throat> but put forth thine hand and now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face and the Lord said unto Satan behold all that is in all that he hath is in thy power only upon himself and so there we have that he's insinuating or accusing Job before God of being Servant of God, only for what he can get out of it. And again, in Job chapter 2 and verse 3 and 6. He's doing it there. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. And <clears throat> so he's accusing Job of only serving. And, and he's constantly doing this, even against Christians. Insinuating this and saying these things in Luke 22 and verse 31 and the Lord said to Simon <clears throat> behold Satan hath desired to have thee that he may sift you as wheat and Satan's going to put Peter through the mill and uh, give him a hard time and sift him as wheat and uh, see that thy faith fail not I pray for thee said the Lord strengthen the brethren uh, <clears throat> yes he is insinuating and accusing the believer. Next, he is incarcerating men. The old devil is up to this. Incarcerating men. It says in 2 Timothy 2.26, And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. <clears throat> Moreover, in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7, 
he must have a good report of them that are without, lest he fall into reproach and into the snare of the devil. <clears throat> Here, the snare of the devil. Late Satan wants to incarcerate, trap, ensnare the Christian and men. There's an old song that reads, When the danger least thou fearest, then the devil's snare is nearest. How true. I'll use an illustration. Maybe I should have bought one here today. With the children in their story, in a story I do, and it's a rabbit trap. We've got a few from the old days when I used to trap rabbits on the farm, <clears throat> skin and gut them and <laughs> sell them to the local um, there were no supermarkets in those days but to the local corner shop or little shop up the road at Avonsley and they used to sell them to people that would eat, eat the rabbits but we used to have the snare and we used to be as cunning as we could when laying the snare today you could take a picture on your phone of where you're going to put the trap dig a little hole put it in cover the trap with some newspaper the, the jaws of it then put the dirt all over it and level it all up without setting it off and do your fingers in and then you you could get a, the camera if you had one and put the leaves back where they were because we noticed we wised up that if you left it so disturbed the rabbits would not put their foot in the trap they would go round the trap isn't that like it with Christians <laughs> The devil lays snares and we say, ah, look, a snare. There's something there. Something's changed. And we go around it. We have a diversion <laughs> and divert so we don't get ensnared. But after a while, it becomes familiar. And we live in a world where there's these constant temptations coming in, and, and eventually they just become so familiar. One has said the church stays 10 steps behind the world. So the world does this and the, and the church moves one step. The, the world does another step and we just keep following. And <clears throat> if people of 70 years ago come and looked at the churches today, they'd say, this ain't church. That's worse than the world was when I was here. Uh, now, for instance, there's a music. Every church said when the Beatles and all those people started, this is of the devil. This is wrong. <laughs> but now... Almost all churches have got it in the church. A snare of the devil. A snare. And so he lays snares for men. He incarcerates men. He likes to bring them into captivity. Listen to what Isaiah 42 verse 7 read, says. To open the blind eyes, to bring out, of the, out the prisoners from the prison and those who sit in darkness out of the prison house. The Lord has delivered us from the prison being incarcerated by the devil and kept in his clutches. And he's flung the doors open like he did for Peter when he opened the prison doors and led us out and released us from the bondage of Satan and sin. But Satan wants to incarcerate man. He wants to cast them into the prison house and keep them there. And he wants to imprison the Christian. He wants to ensnare the Christian as well. Next, he tempts the believer he inflames temptation 
Listen to what Matthew 4.1 said when Satan was tempting, tempting the Lord. And Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And the Lord was hungry. He had fasted 40 days. And so Satan tried to hit on the spot where he was hurting him physically. You're hungry. Turn their stones into bread. You know, take a shortcut to get the kingdom. I'll give you the kingdoms. Just fall down and worship me. He is inflaming temptation. And he knows our weak spots. He knows where we're easy to be targeted. And he targets those weak spots in our life. Sometimes he can target us in the strong points of our life. And we fall because we're self-confident in those areas. And so he, he tempts in Ephesians 6.11. Put on the whole armour of God that he may be, may be able to stand against the wiles, the wiles of the devil. He has his wily ways. The word tempt can refer to two things. To test to prove with the idea of making one better, as seen in Genesis 22.1, came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham his <clears throat> to prove his faith. Then he, he passed the test. And the other word for the use of the word tempt can be, be to entice, to do evil. And this is seen in the reference Matthew 4.1. And that's what Satan does. He tempts us to do evil. He inflames temptation. He gets us going in thinking in the flesh, in the mortal man. And he inflames that and tries to get us to fail in our Christian life. Next, he inflicts and irritates and irks the believer. So Satan with, went forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Job 2, seven. Luke 13 verse 16 and ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from the bond on the Sabbath day? Of course she should. But here he is inf inflicting and irritating and irking believers and non-believers alike. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7, and this is, this is speaking, or this is Apostle Paul speaking, and speaking of him. We read there that, 2 Corinthians 12, 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. God was using this to keep Paul humble. But Satan was using this to hinder Paul's ministry. God had a complete different reason for allowing this to stay and, and, and God said, no, you're going to have it and keep it. And it's not a demon. It's something that inflicted Paul and most believe it to be his eyesight. Lord, just fix me eyesight so I can read and preach and quote and the parchments I can read before the people. You can understand the, 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 the desire of Paul so he could minister better. But the Lord knew that if Paul didn't have this, he might be filled with pride. <laughs> and so this infliction was my grace is sufficient for thee. But here notice he inflicts and irritates the believer. He irks the believer. He makes the believer think in his heart, well, 
God is supposed to be my God. He's supposed to be looking after me. Why does he allow these things to happen in my life? And as we preached not long ago, some months ago, about the occasions, I believe there's four occasions, about this many verses on each occasion where Paul is giving testimony to all the terrible things that happened to him as a Christian, as an apostle, as a minister, as a church planter, as a pastor, as a shepherd of the people, trying to plant churches all over the known world. And all these afflictions happened to him and he got robbed, he got beat up, he got shipwrecked. You know, Lord, surely you can help this man along in the ministry. These things were come to irritate and Satan certainly delighted to try and slow the work of God down. But my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness, says the scripture. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You see, the Lord went about and ministered to people, and he saw people everywhere being oppressed, repressed, suppressed by the devil. <clears throat> Some of them indwelt by demons. And not only one, but legions, in one man's case, a legion of demons. And he was out of his mind. But when he met the Lord Jesus and the demons were cast out, he was sitting, sound, settled, and in his right mind. And the people were scared and told the Lord to get out of their, out of their borders. A terrible thing to do when the Lord done a, such a great thing to that man. And he testified, and yes... Satan is out to inflict and irritate and irk people. The sobering fact to be kept in mind here is that his victims in the verses that we've read are believers mainly. While Satan cannot possibly possess a Christian, he can nevertheless be allowed by God to oppress a child of God, both mentally and physically. In those realms. Sometimes God allows this to happen to purify his children, like Job, and other times to punish the believers, as in Ananias and Sapphira's case, where you can read that in the book of Acts and have that, and even in First Corinthians, another occasion there, and verses one to five. <clears throat> he also Next, he incites sinners and saints to sin. In Revelation 12 and verse 9, and this goes along with what we were just talking about a moment ago, about inflaming temptation. But in Revelation 12, 9, And the dragon was cast out, the old serpent, called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And in chapter 20 and verse 8, And he shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whom is a number is as the sand of the sea. In verse 10 of Revelation 20, we read, And the devil that deceived them, deceived them, was cast into the lake of fire, brimstone. So he incites sinners and saints to sin in a day to come he is going to incite the whole world to come against Israel 
He's going to go out to gather them together. He's going to incite Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38-39 to come down on Israel. He's going to incite the Iranians to come down. It names the nations, the Persians, the Iranians, present day Iran. He's going to incite the the Turkish people to come down and, and those from Libya and Sudan. These five nations and many other nations with them he's going to incite to come down and attack Israel. Yes, he incites sinners to do the wrong thing. He incites sinners to destroy the work of Christians. He incites sinners. And listen, if you haven't had the devil breathing down your neck at times because you've talked or witnessed or testified of the grace of God and the gospel to people, you haven't been out there witnessing, you haven't been out there talking because they don't like it and the devil doesn't like it and he gets upset and he incites sinners to be deceived and to try to <clears throat> bring the, the believer down. In First Corinthians, in chapter 7 and verse 3, let the husband render to the wife her due benevolence and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body but the husband and likewise the husband hath not power of his own body but the wife defraud ye not one another except it be with consent for time this is a husband and wife getting together physically this is what it's talking about and that ye may give yourself to fasting and prayer for that time of abstinence that you come together again that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency or your lack of constraint the devil will do that if we are not doing the right thing to each other as husbands and wives the devil incites sinners and saints against each other and then and lastly looking at this last one It, and it continues with the inciting of sinners and saints against the, the Lord and against his will in their life. It was Satan who caused, caused David to disobey the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 21, 9, and we've mentioned this in the morning service, and Satan, Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. It was the devil that incited him to do that which was not right to do that which God had forbidden and which Joab had warned David not to do why do you need to do this we're winning anyway <laughs> it was Satan who caused Judas to betray Christ in John 13 2 it says plainly and supper being ended the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot Simon's son to betray him this man was right for the picking this man was not a believer but pretended to be so this man was one of the Lord's chosen you know we ought to be careful that we're not one of the devil's children trying to pretend to be the Lord's children Judas did it and look at what happened to him he sold the king of glory for 30 pieces of silver and afterward when he would have given it back and said I repent I'm sorry I shouldn't have done it too late too late he was rejected 
and, and he knew it. And he went out and hanged himself. It was Satan that caused him to do this and Satan delighted to see him die and go to hell. And so he incites sinners and saints to sin and to transgress the way of the Lord. Another one is in <clears throat> Matthew chapter 16, 22 and 23. It's Satan who caused Peter to rebuke the Lord Jesus. Listen to what said then Peter took him that is Peter took the Lord Jesus and began to rebuke him that's pretty daring isn't it a man taking the creator grabbing him by the arm and saying yeah it's not right what you just said be it far from thee Lord this shall not be unto thee but he turned and said the Lord Jesus turned and said to Peter Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offence unto me. Thou savourest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Peter wanted the Lord to bring down the Roman government, to bring in authority, to bring in the kingdom now. You know, we can get into big trouble, but we want God to do it now. Our way, not your way. The way of the Lord was the cross. The way of the world and Peter was not the cross. He wanted power. He wanted to be sitting in authority with the Lord Jesus. And Satan used this desire of Peter, and it might have been a legitimate desire to overcome the Roman people that were governing them and over the Jewish people to, to set up the kingdom of the Lord Jesus and, and to have the, the spirit subject, but he was going about it completely the wrong way in John chapter 13 38 and Jesus answered him wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake verily verily I say unto you and he's talking to Peter again the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me three times Peter said never <laughs> and it wasn't but a few hours later that he did and when he did the Lord was there uh, having been taken by the soldiers and the religious leaders and been questioned the Lord was there being abused by them and when the cock crowed and Peter was in the vicinity he turned and looked and their eyes met and Peter saw and remembered what had happened oh when Satan comes in and does things to us and we don't realize what's going on and all of a sudden it dawns on us oh no I've sinned I have done the wrong thing here. That's too late. We've done it. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Wept bitterly. He went out and also said to the other disciples, he said, Let's, I go fishing. Let's go fishing. <laughs> and he went off back to his old trade. And the Lord had to come to him while they were doing that. They, they laboured all day and all night or whatever. They caught nothing. And the Lord said, hey, fellas, cast out on the other side and you'll get a, <laughs> what a hundred. The net almost broke hundreds of fish. And John looked up and said to Peter, it's the Lord. And he had a coal, coals of fire there, fish cooking, ready meal. Peter jumped in and went to him. He was glad to see him at that time. And the Lord there rebuked him three times. Three times, the, Peter denied him three times, the Lord rebuked him. Feed my sheep. 
Yes, Satan wants to incite us to say the wrong thing, to do the wrong thing, and on the spur of the moment, this is control, control yourself. On the spur of the moment, we can do the wrong thing. And it costs us. It can cost us our ministry. It can cost us a life's labour in one instance to do the wrong thing. You remember King Saul, how he chose to do the priest office and he was rejected because he <coughs> jumped in when he was told to wait and he didn't and couldn't wait. He said, and I had to do it. And so he was rejected. Let's be careful. There was Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit that we'd mentioned earlier today. Peter said to Ananias, Why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? It cost him his life. Folks, we need to learn to know what the devil gets up to and how he can incite us. All these things, he imitates the Lord. He inserts tears. He instigates false doctrine. He impairs the word of God. He impedes the work of God's servants. He interferes in the prayers of God's servants. He (coughs) blinds men to the truth. He steals the word of God from their hearts. Yes, he inflicts, he irritates, he irks a believer, inflames temptation, he incarcerates men. All these things does Satan do. Know your enemy. What does Ephesians tell us to do? In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 11, we read here. Whoops. Chapter 6 and verse 11. Put on the whole armour of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Put on the whole armour of God. Read the word. Be immersed in the word. Know the word. Meditate upon the word. Live in victory by putting on the armour of God that follows in verse 12 down to verse 17. Take the sword of the Spirit. Be victorious. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Holy Spirit living within us is greater than he, the devil, that is in the world. And let's be able to say, when it's all said and done, 1 Corinthians 15.57 Thanks be unto God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Let us have the victory over the devil as we know his tactics, we know what he's up to, we know what he's trying to do and let's not in a moment of weakness fall to his temptations and his invitations to become worldly, to become influenced and oppressed by his ways. Let's always look unto the Lord Jesus as Hebrews 12 says looking unto him looking unto the Lord Jesus and have the victory and not looking at the world and looking at the devil for satisfaction have the victory that has been given to us through the cross 
the Lord Jesus died there to give us the victory through the shedding of his blood over the devil and to give us eternal life through him. I trust that you trust him and not in your own wits. You can't outwit or outwile the devil. Submit and commit yourself unto the Lord and he will give you the victory. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the word of God is very, has very plainly given us the description of our greatest enemy, the devil. The world, the flesh and the devil. And I pray that we would not yield to his ways or his invitations. But we would stay strong in the Lord. We would have the victory in him. We would put on the whole armour of God that we may be able to stand and stay, stand against him in the strength of the Lord who strengtheneth us. Bless each believer, each Christian with the power to live the Christian life through the Holy Spirit and the word of God. And Heavenly Father, for the one that might be unsaved, they've been deceived by the devil he has snatched the seed of God from their hearts. When they heard it, they forgot it and forgot what manner of men they were. Went their way merrily in this world on into of the broad way to destruction. Oh God, open their eyes, open their ears, open their hearts. Lord, we pray for Israel and the people there who are blindly following the devil's way and the devil's word and not the Lord's open their blind eyes remove the veil from their hearts that they may be saved Lord open the heart of the unsaved person that they may see that their pawns in the devil's hand and that they might come to the Lord Jesus who loves them and wants them to be saved and gives them an inheritance in heaven forever bless through salvation to the souls of those that will listen. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.